Hello, Beth Chase here, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical, a medical clinic that provides free reproductive health care services for women in the Seattle area. Well, we have decided to have a series of discussions on breastfeeding. And we want this to be a very balanced talk. So we're going to talk to different women who've had different experiences. And we're going to just be honest about the good as well as the frustrating side of breastfeeding. You know, for some women, they have a wonderful, successful breastfeeding experience, while others find that breastfeeding just does not work for them at all. Well, we're even going to have a session with Dr. Rutherford, who will educate us about the health benefits of breastfeeding for the mother and her baby. That's coming up. But for now, I have with me today one of the founders of 3W, Melanie Gibbs, who was actually on an earlier episode sharing about how PTSD affected her life, and now she's here to talk about her not-so-good experience with breastfeeding. So welcome back, Melanie. Okay, first of all, let's just talk about your daughter, Josie, and and you can get into your breastfeeding experience. But first, tell us about Josie. Josephine is two and a half years old, and she, um, man, she is so active right now. She talks about a million miles a minute. She speaks in just these full, verbose paragraphs. She's amazing. She loves being outside. She she loves collecting snails and taking them on walks. She loves digging for worms and feeding them <laughs> to the chickens. She's just the most amazing little wild child you have ever met. Oh, um, yeah. So smart. Though. Oh, she's, she's so, smart. so smart. She gets into everything. She recently, I mean, we have the house locked down like it's a prison block or something. Um, <laughs> and she recently learned how to take off the doorknob covers. So oh, now she can get into all of the doors that we had previously locked off to her. So now we need to buy locking doorknobs and be able to be able to lock her in her room. Oh, she can just get into everything. Oh dear. She's too smart for her own wow. Well, she's so precious and such a blessing to your family and to everybody who really knows her. We're all uh, kind of excited about watching her grow up. Now, Melanie, now just before we get into the breastfeeding, mm-hmm. let's talk about a review about your birth experience. Yes, it was just awful. <laughs> well, I had, well, it's actually similar to the my expectations of breastfeeding. I had these, maybe it's a typical first time mom thing of these romantic, idealistic ideas of what being a mom might be like. But going into my birth, I, you know, I planned an all natural birth at the local birth center, which is right next to the hospital. And, you know, it has great women working there and everything, but I definitely had imagined this peaceful entry into the world for Josephine. (laughs) And instead, after a really bad labor, she had, uh, she got caught, her shoulder got stuck after she had already crowned. And that's called shoulder dystocia. And it's a huge obstetric emergency. They had to get her out. She wasn't breathing. Then she went to the NICU. And I went off to the hospital because I was really injured. And um, it just did not go well. Mm-hmm. And, that you know, and I had similar expectations about breastfeeding. I thought it was going mm-hmm. to be this beautiful, peaceful, you know, bonding experience. And it's so natural. And all those expectations that did not come to fruition. <laughs> 
So we, we had know. a rough, rough start with her birth, and then we had a rough start with feeding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, can we talk for a minute about you? Were, you and I were talking about this just prior to uh, the show, and we we're talking about these expectations that society is placing on women, mm-hmm. not only about the birth experience, but also about the breastfeeding Absolutely. experience. So what what have you heard? Or what did you hear from the pressures from the Well, society? I have definitely, I know, I know I'm not alone in this because all my other mom friends definitely have experienced this. Like, for example, we were, before the show started, we were talking about women feeling guilt if they aren't able to have a vaginal birth and they end up having a C-section. Similarly, like with breastfeeding, you feel guilty like you're failing. And so I think the message is... You always put your baby first and whatever is best for the baby wins, you know, as if there's only one person involved. But actually, as Dr. Rutherford always says that, you know, there are two patients there in a mother-baby situation. And so, you know, what is best for the mom is usually best for the baby, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that the message is always put your baby first, no matter how miserable you are, no matter if it's, you know, not working out. And if you somehow aren't able to do what what seems to be the the best baby first thing, then you have failed somehow and are being a selfish mom. Mm-hmm. I think that's the messaging, and I don't I don't think a lot of that is explicit, <laughs> unless you go onto mom internet forums, in which case it is very explicit and horrible. <laughs> but for the most part, I think it's you know, it's just this pressure of you know. Breast is best. Natural birth is best. You know, pain medication-free birth is best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So let's talk a little bit about some specifics about your experience. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing little Josie home, mm-hmm. and now's the time for her to get the breastfeeding routine down. Yeah. Talk, talk to us about that. Well, it actually really started uh, the very first time she latched in the NICU was horribly painful. And I remember sitting there with a lactation consultant and my mom and my mother-in-law and looking at them and saying, this is excruciating. And I just went through a 19 hour horrible labor with no epidural. I know what excruciating is, you know, this is excruciating. And they all just said, you know, it's painful at first. Just, it takes two weeks, give it two weeks. You know, you'll, you'll get used to it. You know, you'll toughen up or whatever. And I remember thinking that this can't possibly be what it's supposed to feel like you know, I, it just really was truly excruciating. And it turns out that she had a tongue tie and lip tie. Mm. So it was not just me. It really, she was not able to latch correctly. And it's hard to see with a newborn, especially a brand new newborn. It, you know, the latch might look correct, but isn't actually correct. It's really hard to tell when they're really young like that. So Mm Melanie, can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to have a tongue tied newborn who is trying to nurse? Yeah, so the tongue tie is where the bottom of the tongue is too, you know, too securely or too far forward attached to the bottom of their mouth, and they aren't able to lift the back of their tongue and do the proper nursing motion, mm-hmm. and instead they end up relying on kind of a chomping motion. And so instead of this, a true good latch is the nipples really far back in the mouth. And there, you know, the tongue is uh, kind of doing this oscillating motion, but a tongue-tied baby tends to have the nipple too far forward in the mouth and, and, and do this chomping motion, which creates a lot of damage. 
And it, you know, it's very, very painful. And then a lip tie, which Josephine also had, is when the, the very front of the lip, like everybody has that little, I don't remember what it's called, that little piece of gum that's attached or skin that's attached to your gums. If a baby is lip tied, the lip cannot flip upwards enough to be able to have a proper latch. And so with Josephine, her lip was tucked up under instead of being splayed outwards, which created a really shallow latch. So even though it was looking okay in the beginning, it was actually doing a lot of damage. Gosh, you would think if it's something that important, that that would be part of a routine check. Well, so it is part of a routine check, but there is not as much information out there as you would think about it. There's the this great doctor that I, of course, can't for, remember his name in <clears throat> Portland, who has some really great research talking about lip tie and tongue tie and how mm-hmm. what we typically think of as a tongue tie is not the only way a tongue tie can look. Josephine had what's called a posterior tongue tie, where when you lift up the tongue, traditionally tongue tied person would have a very clear line of skin from this from the tongue to the bottom of the mouth. But a posterior tongue tie doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. It really is more of a, an issue of function. It's not so much what it looks like. So really the new theory is that, you know, they have a lip tie or a tongue tie if they're not able to create the right latch and have the proper function. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah. So I think my takeaway from that mm-hmm. is, is if, if you, your newborn, when you, he or she first latches on mm-hmm. and it's very painful, mm-hmm. you might want to say, hmm, yeah. let's take another look at this. Just make sure there's not a tongue tie or it's mm-hmm. called a lip tie Yep, or a lip tie. Hmm. Well, and I would say, you know, cr- trust your gut because my gut was telling me this is not right. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, the lactation consultant was saying that this was fine. And then, so I would say, trust your gut and also look for more opinions, you know, because then... Later, when I got second and third opinions, it was very, they were very clear that it actually was a posterior tongue tie and a mm-hmm. lip tie. So, yeah, mm. trust your gut and get second opinion. Oh, I love that. Always yeah. trust that gut feeling. I tell yeah. you, moms, they they get it. And so that's, I think, very good advice right there. Mm-hmm. What else, what were your other issues that Oh, I occurred? had them all bad. <laughs> and our listeners okay. are about to listen or hear way too much about all of that. So the first thing is that prior to being pregnant, I actually had what are called inverted nipples, which I did not know was a thing. And so over the course of my pregnancy, they like kind of reverted. I don't know. It, you know, it became not inverted, but as a result, they were so, so, so sensitive because I had they had always been inverted before. So that was an issue. <laughs> so I said, what? what air? seen issue? Oh, yes. Everything. <laughs> so your nipples are going, air? I'm not used to air. I can't tell you how many times my husband was saying, if you're going to walk around the house without a shirt on, you have to at least close the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez and then and then even when they weren't inverted anymore they were still very flat so mm. typically a nipple especially once when you're breastfeeding you know comes out a significant amount so then the baby uh, especially newborns they really need to feel that brush the roof of their mouth mm-hmm. to be able to get a good latch yes. and that if you have flat nipples that's very difficult mm-hmm. so we used a uh, nipple shield for quite a while unfortunately at the time I did not realize we had the wrong size of nipple shield and when and she had such strong suction that the skin of the nipple was actually pulled through the holes of the nipple shield mm-hmm. and created blisters in exactly the same pattern as the nipple shield so 
that also did additional damage. Jeez. So as I said, I had all the things. So that was a, that was a big issue. The nipple shields theoretically mm-hmm. would help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had blebs, which it means blisters, like you have blisters on your nipple, where the blister covers where the milk comes out of on your mm-hmm. nipple, and mm-hmm. it can be so mm. painful. Oh my goodness! So unspeakably painful, and you have to basically get it to to burst, mm-hmm. like so you'd you know, get the pump on and then increase the suction until it finally like opened, you know, and then it's like a damn butt bursting and Mm -hmm. just tons of milk coming out. So that was an issue. I had cracks, which I know are pretty common. And this was just, oh, I looked like, you know, a salt pan desert where with just the cracks is so dry. (laughs) That's how I looked. (laughs) It was so bad. And they do have an all-purpose nipple ointment for for things like that, for cracks. And I think it also helps with blisters that has a couple of different medications in it to help with the uh, swelling and and everything. But, um, oh, I forgot to add to the list. We had thrush, which is a, a fungal infection of the baby's mm-hmm. mouth and the nipple, which is very, very painful. So we had to deal with that. We had vasospasms, which I think happened just from the the cumulative amount of damage. Some people get vasospasms from Raynaud's syndrome, which is, um, uh, I think it's an autoimmune um, disorder. But so basically it's where the blood vessels constrict after after you've already pumped or fed. And the because the blood isn't flowing, your nipple turns like blue or white and it is so painful. So it's like several minutes of just such, such pain. <laughs> like... How many words do I have to describe pain? (laughs) (laughs) And then I had mastitis several times. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the ongoing issue of having clogs. And every time I had a clog, I was terrified I was going to get mastitis again. Mm -hmm. Because that that just feels like death. You feel like you're dying. Like one minute you feel fine. And then the next minute you just, you have this horribly high fever. It the You feel like you're just going to like you've been hit by a truck, it feels Mm -hmm. terrible. So every time I had a clog, I was desperate, desperate to get it out so that I wouldn't get mastitis for the fourth time. Four times? Yeah, I had it three times. Three times. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Women women died from that years ago. It's a very, very big deal. So thank God that you are in this time with all of this great medical care. Absolutely. Being prone to that and you know, and thank God that we live in a time where there are things like, like milk donations, breast pumps, and formula because babies died from breastfeeding situations like this where they couldn't, you know, couldn't get enough milk, or mm-hmm. you know, and if you couldn't find a wet nurse that could help, babies died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now you're probably wondering out there, wow, this is this is a lot of bad experience over something. <laughs> That's supposed to be beautiful, uh-huh. healthy, and fulfilling, natural, natural fulfilling for women. Yes. And I think one of our goals that we wanted to have here is to help you to understand that if this has ever happened to you, 
or maybe you know someone for whom has the breastfeeding experience really was not a positive one. Melanie, you and I have been talking about this. Again, the the pressure in society that tells you if you don't do something a certain way, Mm -hmm. that you're a failure as a mother. It made me feel like a failure as a mother when after she got her second lip or tongue tie revision, she was had been bottle fed breast milk that bottle fed for so long that she couldn't figure out how to latch it all. That made me feel like a failure to just have to go to exclusively pumping. And then when I finally ended up giving up exclusively pumping, that made me feel like a failure. Every every step along the way made me feel like I was failing her by not being able to do what I thought was best for her. And then also failing just in my role of self-giving mother, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe one of our, our lessons here is as friends mm-hmm. of someone who's had just had a baby or grandparents or loved ones, when we see a woman really struggling with breastfeeding and they are just doing everything that they can, yeah. be very careful that we don't say something that discourages them Mm-hmm. from perhaps choosing another way. Absolutely. I I kind of felt like I needed to be granted permission to to be done, mm-hmm. you know? And that the journey from giving it everything I could and seeing every single lactation consultant in the Seattle area, which is full of lactation consultants because it's a very <laughs> breastfeeding friendly culture uh-huh. around here, to fi- to finally being done pumping myself was really a long, painful one. And it involved a lot of conversations with other moms that were, like you said, were really encouraging of me and encouraging of me doing what I needed to do Mm -hmm. to take care of myself, which meant stopping. Okay. So what was it? Was it your mother? Was it friends? I mean, uh, what Mm -hmm. was your journey to getting to that point of saying, you know, it's okay, I'm done? Well, One of the main things, honestly, so I I was exclusively pumping and I wasn't quite able to keep up with her, with her needs. And so I started getting breast milk donations from friends and from other people in the community Mm -hmm. that who had oversupplies or had had stored breast milk and then their, their baby was done and didn't need it anymore. And I, so then I was stuck in this, this very anxiety provoking cycle of how much do we have in the freezer? How much am I producing? How much is she eating? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to have enough? And when my older sister, Holly, had her son, she so gracefully started pumping for Josephine. I think she saw the horrible pain that I was in and the, I mean, really the emotional pain that I was in over this and breastfeeding went so well for her. It was a really great experience. She had a great, great time with it. I don't think she ever was in pain from it. Her son, my nephew, was was just fine and thriving. And so she started pumping once or twice a day for me. And that helped me kind of calm the how much do I have, how much do I have cycle enough to realize that what I was doing was not good. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like I was wrapped up in this survival mode and she helped me just exit that mode and see that what I was doing was really bad horrible for my postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. which ultimately is, is not good for my daughter. If I'm depressed and barely making it through each day, I can't be there for her in the way that I want to be emotionally. Mm -hmm. So I think getting out of that anxiety circle helped me see a little bit more clearly that 
doing whatever it took to breastfeed was not actually in the best interest mm-hmm. of my daughter. And it sounds like your sister was a key player in that for you. She was absolutely amazing. I just, I can't tell you how many times I just cried in gratitude about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I had a similar time with future babies, I would, you know, probably just choose formula because this was a horrible, mm-hmm. obviously, experience with me. I would like to try again. But if it ends up starting down this road, I'm, mm-hmm. I think that formula would be best for that baby. Mm. But Holly, I think, knew that I wasn't there yet, that I wasn't able to. I was so stuck in this idea that formula is poison. You know, I think that the whole breast is best thing just really, I don't know, had this insidious effect on me and my ideas about formula. And so Holly saw that I wasn't able to let go of the breast milk thing and was able to give of herself in such a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really wonderful. Yeah. And she has such a great relationship oh, with Josephine. Wonderful. Josephine's over at her house right now. Uh-huh. And they just have this wonderful, wonderful uh-huh. relationship. And I can't help but feel like part of that is because Holly knew mm-hmm. that she was making such a great mm-hmm. gift. See, women need each other. Absolutely. In such ways that um, it's, it's so important. And so a special shout yeah. out to Holly. Yes, Holly, you are absolutely amazing. <laughs> My hero. She really is. That's great. Well, it's time to wrap up this first episode on breastfeeding. But I wanted to ask Melanie, okay, what is one thing that you wanted to leave with those that are listening to this podcast? Yeah, I would say fed is best, you know, whether it's... (laughs) Future baby. Absolutely. Future baby. (laughs) Fed is best. (laughs) Um, You know, whether it's Uh breastfeeding, which is a really great, wonderful thing for, you know, a lot of people, or whether it's formula because you need to be able to be there for your child. Mm -hmm. Um, Fed is best. Fed is best. And that that we moms need each other. Yes. Absolutely. We so need each other. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I hope you found this episode on breastfeeding helpful. I've learned some things and I have breastfed four children, but we're going to hear from a woman who had a different experience with breastfeeding in our next episode. So just a note here, just remember that at 3W that we provide free reproductive health care services and we're always looking for community-minded people just like you who will join us. Your commitment of just $10 a month for 12 months will help assure that every woman in Seattle area has a free access to quality health care from a nonprofit medical clinic that does not make money from the choices women make. We call this our 10 for 12 group. You can find out more information by going to our website, 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, then medical.org. And then while you're there, just please click on the Wellness Wednesday tab, which is at the top menu, and it will take you to a page where you can sign up for our 10 for 12 group. So until next time, stay healthy and be well.